and welcome to Here's My Number, So Call Me Ishmael, the podcast formerly known as The Nutcracker Jack. It's a cultural quiz show and so much more. I'm Tony, and I'm here with Austin. Hello, Austin. Hello, Tony. So, do you think we should say sorry for how long we've gone, or are we, are we, do we have sort of a, a, ch- a chip on our shoulder, like, hey, we'll make, we'll make content when we want to make content? Yeah, I kind of like... I kind of like a, a marriage of the two. I just feel bad because the fight was really instigated by me. <laughs> and, you know, it, it was the, the onus was on me to apologize. And you were the one that came forward. And I, uh, I really appreciate that. I'm glad we're back together. It was very, it was very mature of me. I just, yeah, I just worry about the emotional timbre of this episode. I worry that our lasting, our, our, our summertime, our summer of 2018 rivalry is going to come to a head. Our schism, yeah, it, it could be a little dour. So, uh, especially considering the theme, um, <laughs> I think we could venture into over serious territory, which is not typical for the show. True. And since it's been such a long time since we've done the show, I'd say we just kind of jump right into the theme, since especially since you mentioned it. So, several months ago, the last time we planned on recording a show, you suggested the theme of, of squirrels. The one time you give me a chance to choose the theme, I <laughs> I prove why I shouldn't. Well, well, I just thought I would extend the olive branch for our our mythical June, July, August part of September, our falling out that we had. Um, mm-hmm. I thought I would extend the olive branch and and go back to the theme that you selected. And here at the beginning of autumn, let's have a falling in. Let's <laughs> let's fall back in with each other. Yeah, so the theme the theme is squirrels. Uh, the, the first category isn't so much a cultural category; it's just <laughs> just like the, the my favorite thing about squirrels, which is problems that squirrels cause. Oh, please! Have squirrels caused any problems in in your life, in in your personal life? No, squirrels have not caused any problems in my life. I don't want to put my my neighbor on blast, but. Uh... A sad thing happened with squirrels earlier this summer. Whoa. Yeah. I mean, should I... Open up, dog. I mean, it's it's been so long. It's been so long since we've gotten real with each other, since we've no. been able to, to talk to each other, so... It's also the only squirrel story I have. Okay, well, hit me with it. Well, uh, our next-door neighbor had some squirrels and coons under his porch wreaking havoc on his wiring. And he set up a live trap on the porch where he would catch squirrels and coons and then release them into the wild. We came home on a very hot day, saw a squirrel kind of panicking in the cage and said, maybe we should let that squirrel out. It's a pretty hot day. And um, we were told that the neighbor would, would take it out to greener pastures and uh, release it. Um, and by the end of the day, he did just that. And... And the squirrel's fine, and that's the end <laughs> of the story. It was less sad than I thought it would be. Oh, I I edited for radio. <laughs> good good of you to keep the content content clean. Yeah, I pivoted at the last moment. <laughs> um, what you... actually happened? I want to. I so I mean, you've got me. You've 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 got me fully <laughs> involved in this story now. I need to know what happened. Well, for those of you who want to know what happened, uh, subscribe and 
uh, at a level of $5 per month, you will get access to our bonus content, which is 30 seconds of me telling the actual ending of the squirrel story. <laughs> yeah, you can hit us up on Venmo for that. Uh, the squirrel died because it was very hot. Damn it. Um, and it wasn't sad to see a dead squirrel because I've seen a dead squirrel before, but it was sad knowing that we could have saved it. Yeah. So how I'm going to, I'm going to dig into the story, Austin, cause you've kind of got me, you've, you've just, you've caught me in the web of this story. So, so you saw it alive in the cage or in the trap. Yes. And yes. then, and then later you saw it dead in the trap. Oh, I see where you're going with this. Schrodinger squirrel. <laughs> no, I just, I'm just curious, you know, there is a moment of decision there, and you decided not to intervene. You decided that this squirrel's life was worth less than your reputation with your neighbor, I guess. Yeah, I'd, I'd say that. Okay. Which is a mistake I'll never make again because I don't live there anymore. <laughs> so he's not your neighbor anymore. No, no, he's my he's my ancestral neighbor. Yeah. My my parents' neighbor. Man. Yeah. That's a brutal story. So, um, you know, before we talk about the problems that squirrels cause, let's talk about the problems that we cause. Yeah, the problems that we cause for squirrels. Actually, you telling me that story reminds me of a very sad story that I have about squirrels. Oh, man, and I have another one, so let's just... Well, let's just keep them rolling. Let's keep them rolling, then. The, the very sad story that I have about a squirrel is that in... Either late middle school or early high school, I had a friend who had a BB gun, and he thought that it would be a good idea to go out into the front yard and shoot a squirrel that was in a little tree in his front yard. I guess the premise is that it would be like hunting. However, a BB gun is not a humane method of killing a squirrel. So what happened was the squirrel... Got, he hit it, which is pretty impressive. I, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if imp impressive has too of, too nice of a connotation. It's it is it is uh, it is an amazing thing. And the squirrel tumbled to the ground, and it had a hole in its body, and there was blood gushing out of this hole. And the squirrel was just on the ground, writhing in pain, and had blood squirting out of its body. And because this was the middle of the winter, there was snow all around. And so that blood just reddened the snow all around the squirrel. And so four 13-year-olds just sort of stood around in shocked silence oh. as this squirrel writhed its last writhings. And its its life force leaked out of its body. My gosh, like a like Ides of March. It was It was extremely somber. Jiminy Christmas. And three of you went on to become well-balanced uh, <laughs> young men. And, and one, of us, now. one of us still hasn't recovered. Oh, man. that uh, If you'll permit me to tell another story. I permit. I have a sad squirrel-related story, but it's not that exciting. So I'll tell another story about it, the killing of, of an animal as a youth. I was on a trip to Myrtle Beach with the YMCA Leaders Club of Cherryville, North Carolina, a group that, uh, try as I may, 
I never seemed to quite fit in because I was homeschooled and now into the same middle school. But me being me, I was better at a lot of things than they were. And one of those things was skipping rocks. And so we're down at the beach, skipping rocks, and I'm kind of just, you know, meandering behind the group and they're skipping rocks and cavorting. And finally, I get up the courage to approach the group and say, hey, guys, check this out. I get a flat rock and I skip it real good across the not yet crested rumbling suggestions of waves. <laughs> and it was beautiful. And then it hit a an actual wave and rocketed upwards and snapped a seagull's neck. No! There. Which, had I been a more callous boy, would have been pretty cool. That's... That I could, I could just, you know, hunt with a rock like a caveman. But as a sensitive homeschool boy trying to fit in, it was my first brush with mortality, and it was uh, just devastating. Yeah. Just that's, devastating. that's I mean, that is the sort of thing that you you literally could not do again, even if to save your life. I mean, that is just, that's a stroke of ill fortune for you and the bird. Yeah, just a twist of fate. In both of these stories, it is it is a story of excited young men, because, you know, there's there's an excitement that a 13-year-old feels when he runs out to the front yard carrying a BB gun or with his friend who's carrying a BB gun. And there's an excitement that a, a young man has when he has a, a flat rock in his hand and, and flings it into the sea knowing that it will, that it will bounce several times. And, and the, the, the pace at which that excitement drains out of that, that little boy's body when he sees a dead animal... A dead animal that died at his hand is, is you know, it's a breakneck pace, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Man, yeah, it, it, there's some metaphor in here about the effect of war on, on youth, mm. but I don't know where it is. Mm. Yeah. Maybe I'll just start singing Where Have All the Flowers Gone. <laughs> I think that's good. Yeah, so those, those are... Uh... All the flowers gone. <laughs> Long time passing. Where have they gone? Where have all? Uh, that's a good song. So those are. Uh, so hey, everybody, we're back. It's a comedy podcast, and we're we're talking about the animals that we've killed. But you know, you're right to point out. I I, I said that this category is <laughs> the problems that squirrels cause. But you know, we all live. It's all. It's all energy austin and we all share the same energy and so squirrels cause problems for us but we 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 cause problems for squirrels too mm. the <laughs> the reason i was thinking about the problems that squirrels cause for us is that they cause a lot of power outages because they will get into our powered lines and chew on them and then they, they will complete circuits and the electricity will run through their body instead of running through the power lines in a way that we want them to. And this, of course, kills the squirrel and so is more of a problem for the squirrel than it is for us humans, which, given our previous stories, makes me feel like a real asshole. But <laughs> if, if we'll set that aside for a moment. Squirrels cause power outages like crazy. In the following states... Let me tell you the states, Austin. In the following states, squirrels are the number one cause of power outages. In Michigan, Illinois, Indiana, Ohio, and Wisconsin. 
squirrels. Wow, what, what? Where did the diaspora start? It's such a central, such a central part of the U.S. Yeah, yeah. At at, at America's core, <laughs> squirrels squirrels are taking down our power lines. The the Squirtle Crescent. <laughs> I guess that's different than the cradle of civilization. Um, sorry, sorry, history buffs and biologists. <laughs> no, but I like the Squirtle Crescent. That's good. <laughs> um, wow, that is that's that's bananas. Yeah. Is it be is it because is it regulated to the Midwest because the Midwest is pretty safe from other environmental hazards that might cause power outages and so squirrels jump up on the list that's that's an extremely good insight austin i mean we have a ton of squirrels in the midwest and we don't have a lot of other weather related problems i mean or a lot of natural predators of squirrels (laughs) or a lot of natural predators of squirrels so the only yeah the only natural predator of squirrels in the midwest is is power lines and bb boys (laughs) and young men Going out in their front yards and shooting squirrels with BB guns. Yes, most most of the country, the problems are either just like standard equipment failures or trees or weather. But squirrels are a problem here. Squirrels are not a problem. Squirrels cause a lot of problems for humans, but humans cause a lot of problems for squirrels too. Mm. Squirrels have also t- taken out the power for the NASDAQ stock exchange twice. Oh my gosh. Once in 1987 and once in 1994. Which both coincided with anything? <laughs> Any patterns there? <laughs> let's, let's dig into this. What happened in 1987 and also happened in 1984, besides squirrels chewing into power lines? Ghostbusters sequels. <laughs> Is that true? No, I'm just... I'm. I'm trying to kind of throw my hat in the ring. And... Okay, well let's let's see what happened in the the culture, the world of culture, in 1987 and 1994, and we can figure out if there are any themes that we can pick out. You should help me. You should go to the Wikipedia page for 1987 and the Wikipedia page for 1994. Oh, I'm there, baby. Okay, good. Well, Ghostbusters. Wait, Ghostbusters one. Ghostbusters came out in 1984. I feel good about Ghostbusters 2. I'm going to look it up. Oh, 1989. Damn it. Oh, Wiz Khalifa was born in 87. Here we go. Lil Uzi Vert was born in, in 1994. <gasps> and his his spiritual grandfather, Wiz Khalifa. <laughs> Interesting. I like that. Okay, so there's there's our connection. So in the year 1987 and in the year 1994, a squirrel took out the power to the NASDAQ stock exchange and in 1987, Wiz Khalifa was born. And in 1994, Lil Uzi Vert was born. Mm. Under under the most auspicious signs. <laughs> anyway, okay, so th- so give me some other problems. So uh, another problem that squirrels cause is 
in the Malmstrom Air Force Base in Montana, which houses 150 intercontinental ballistic missiles. Squirrels dig a bunch of underground tunnels near said intercontinental ballistic missiles, and it will often set off alarms. And given that this base covers 23,000 square miles, it, it can be a bit of a chore to determine to to arrive at a ICBM missile silo only to realize that it was just a squirrel digging around. And maybe never to realize. I mean, they eventually figured it out, but it's like finding a cricket in a house. You know, you know it's there, but you're never going to see that thing. <laughs> it's gone. Which is a pro tip to any to any Russian spies who might be listening, that if you want to if you want to sneak onto the Malmstrom Air Force Base, you can just dress up as a squirrel, and dig your way in, and they'll be none the wiser. There's something there about a bushy tail Bush administration, <laughs> um, nuclear. I'm not confident that there is anything there. Honestly. Yeah, I don't think that there is. I think I'm grasping that. World. There's a website called cybersquirrel1.com, which keeps track of all the power outages caused by animals that appear in news stories around the world. And they have a ranking of animals that appear in these stories. So squirrels are number one by far. Squirrels have twelve more than 1,200 cases of power outages caused. But the rest of the animals on this list are pretty interesting. I'd be interested to see if you could come up with some of the rest of the animals on this list. Power outages caused by animals. Okay, let's see here. I'm going to guess a bear. No. Hmm. Interestingly, not not very many big animals make the list. It's a lot. You got to kind of be you got to kind of be a sneaky creature if you You want to. You got to be a sneaker. If you want to take away our power. Hmm. I was thinking bears. You know, you see those pictures of bears climbing trees in the suburbs. And, True. And, yeah. You know, maybe it's, you know, the smallest number they have here is 12. So maybe maybe fewer than 12 bears have caused power outages. I want to say, well, I mean, birds seem like a pretty natural. Yeah. Birds is a very good guess. They're at number two with 629. How many How many animals are there on this list? There are. So there's squirrel, bird, then there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven more. Seven more. Moles? No. Buried cables? No. Okay. This will be my last guess because I'm sure this is riveting <laughs> for our dear listeners. I'm going to say raccoons. Raccoon, number four. Number four. What is that elusive number three? That elusive number three. It is. It's an elusive creature. It's been causing problems for humanity. Depending on what your religious affiliation is, it could have been causing problems for humanity since the very beginning of time. Oh boy, the lowly mosquito. <laughs> well, that that doesn't really depend on your religious affiliation. I mean, very good point. The lowly mosquito causes a lot of problems for humanity, but I don't know of any religious text that has stories beginning with mosquitoes undermining the quality of the human race oh interesting undermining the quality of the human race i'm thinking about the plagues here oh you're gonna want to go even earlier i mean i, I mean literally the, the, the earliest problems that humans ever had were caused by this animal the serpent the serpent yes snakes talking snakes talking snakes are the source of 160 power outages throughout the world Wow, just getting up there and coiling around, get that warmth. 
Yeah. Oh, I bet that's what it is. That's a good hypothesis. I bet electricity-producing things are pretty warm, and snakes like warm things. Hmm. Except for the cold uh, depths of sin. <laughs> Other animals on the list include rats, cats, which I don't totally understand, martins. Oh, I was going to say martins is a joke. Oh, really? Yes. That would have been an incredible pull. Because I was uh, I was thinking about pine martins being the enemies of squirrels. And then I was thinking about power power poles being built out of pine. Wow. I don't know. I can say what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would have been extremely impressed if you had actually said it. Yeah. Easy to say that now. Yeah. The next animal on the list is my favorite animal on the list, and that's the jellyfish. Hmm. Apparently some nuclear power plants have exhaust pipes of various kinds that empty into oceans or something. I, I only, I, if I'm going to be totally honest, I only glanced at the articles that reference these jellyfish, but apparently a, a herd, a, a flock of jellyfish can cause a lot of problems if they find their way into it. jar when they're a group. They're called a what? A jar. A jar. <laughs> yeah, when a jar of jellyfish find their way into into an exhaust pipe, they can cause some troubles. So I like to think of all of these animal-related outages as some kind of response to what we're doing to the planet. Sure. They're all attacks on industry. Yeah, these are, these are eco-terrorist animals. On all fronts. And honestly, as long as it doesn't affect my block, all power to you. Hey, power, nice. Oh. <laughs> All power away from us and to you. To you, sir. Sir Squirrel. The final animal on the list is monkeys, which makes me worried about a sort of Planet of the Apes situation arising. Yeah, it's just a it's just a monkey Tesla up there with a lab coat. <laughs> trying to sap power. A mad a mad monkey scientist. He's got a few beakers. Maybe an Erlenmeyer flask. He's trying to use power to facilitate some experiment. So those are the animals that cause power outages in the world. Our next category, we, we, we're now getting into... Illuminating. <laughs> I was sitting there waiting, trying to think of something to say. Nice. Yeah, that was a very illuminating category. Our next category is fictional squirrels. And Austin, I have some breaking squirrel news. <gasps> Don't break any more squirrels. We've done enough. <laughs> this is actually, I might more accurately describe it as breaking squirrel slash Pokemon news. <gasps> Tell me more, please. Even though the Pokedex describes it as a mouse type, this iconic character was originally based on another rodent. Would you like to guess which mouse type Pokemon was originally based off of a, a squirrel? Well, the word iconic makes me think Pikachu. It's Pikachu, dog. In an interview this year, Atsuku Nishida, who previously worked at Game Freak, revealed that she based the character's original design on a squirrel, not a mouse. Good to hear about women in gaming. I just ate an Oreo, and I was trying to finish it before you finished <laughs> your story. It's very unprofessional of you, Austin. Um... Although I like to think that you're podcasting so hard right now that and burning so many calories that you just needed a quick you needed a quick boost. I just need nutrients. I'm uh, my apartment is very warm 
right now and can't have fans on. You got to preserve that audiophile mm. level of quality that we strive for. And I'm sitting shirtless, eating Oreos. <laughs> what an image. Doing fine, Mom. <laughs> barely, barely surviving through adulthood. I spent my last lick of money on good, wholesome Oreos. <laughs> I'll take me through in the next couple of weeks. <laughs> there are three other Pokemon that have the word squirrel somewhere in their Bulbapedia article. Bulbapedia being the the wiki for all Pokemon-related purposes. So there are three other Pokemon that are described as being squirrel-like in some way. Would you like to guess what those those three Pokemon are? I really would. Hmm... There's one that sticks out, Pachirisu. Pachirisu, nice dog. Yeah. Sure. Pachirisu is a Generation 4 Pokemon. Its biology section in Bulbapedia reads as follows. Pachirisu is a small white squirrel-like Pokemon with a faint bluish tint and a light blue stripe starting from its forehead and goes all the way down to the tip of its tail. A female Pachirisu's blue stripe is shorter than a male's. I like when they give you those subtle uh, subtle differences between male and female Pokemon. Yeah, yeah. It helps the fiction. It does. Amolga, for sure. Dog? Another Gen, a Gen 5 Pokemon? Oh, boy. And Amolga's a flying squirrel. Yes. It is a white rodent-like Pokemon rep- resembling a flying squirrel, according to Bulbapedia. Before we continue, I would like to wow you with my knowledge of biological terminology. Do you know the biological term for, like, when males and females of a species are different in some way? Hmm. I feel like it's up there somewhere, but I won't pretend like I knew it if you say it. <laughs> okay. It is, it's called sexual dimorphism. Ooh. Meaning two shapes based off of the sexes. Morph meaning shape, die meaning two. Morph. I think I thought morph may have meant change. I believe morph refers to shape. What do you think change would be? Uh, that's a good question. So metamorphosis would be change. But is there is there a root yeah. of that? Oh, no, meta. Okay, so according to membean.com, the prefix meta comes from a Greek word meaning beyond or change. So metamorphosis meaning change shape. There we go. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm glad we learned that. So to review the impressive things you've done so far, you came up with Pachirisu, a Pokemon, uh, a squirrel-shaped Pokemon. You came up with Emolga, another squirrel-shaped Pokemon. And to review the impressive things I've done is knowing the word sexual dimorphism, or phrase mm-hmm. sexual dimorphism. And the perfect union of that would be the Pokemon... Nidoran, which also has a female counterpart that is a separate Pokemon. Need a reason. Oh, yeah. That's some extreme sexual dimorphism there. (laughs) Extreme sexual dimorphism. (laughs) I'm really into extreme sexual dimorphism. Okay, so there remains one Pokemon who has the word squirrel in its Bulbapedia page. Oh, boy. Can you tell me the generation? I can tell you it's Gen 1. Gen 1? I can tell you it's one of the starting Pokemon. Wait a minute. 
Gen 1 starting Pokemon? Yeah. I mean, you could name all three. Well, I'm going to say Squirtle, but... And I was going to make that as a joke. But uh, is it because of its tail? Its bushy tail? It is extremely because of its bushy tail. If you'd like, I can read the section of the Bulbapedia article. Wait, is Squirtle a double pun? It's a water-shooting turtle, but it's also a cross between a squirrel and a turtle? I think so. In the Bulbapedia article section, Name Origin, Squirtle is a combination of squirt and turtle. It may also involve squirrel due to the appearance of its tail. Unbelievable. It's actually, and another pun is the fact that squirt can also mean a small child. So it's the first evolutionary link. Well, oh, wow. <laughs> This is a breakthrough. Yeah. That is a, like a, that's like a, what is that, a quadruple play on words? Yeah, at least. I, and I bet the pun is even more complex than the original Japanese. I, it could be. Let me see. Let's go to the original Japanese here. The original Japanese is Zenagame, I think. Zenagame. It literally means baby pond turtle. No, so that's just loses a little nuance. That's that's just uh, well, okay. According to Pokemon Black and White's television program Poke Quiz, Squirtle shells look like old coins, so that's how they got their name. Okay, apparently Zenny also means money. Zenny's friend friend with Zenny fits. <laughs> you want to hear a creepy Pokemon story? I do want to hear a creepy Pokemon story. So around the rise of Pokemon, which also coincided. I think came a little later than the uh, Magic Gathering craze and a little earlier than Yu-Gi-Oh, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, approximately. Um, but it was all part of that kind of... Uh, part of the zeitgeist? Yeah, the half-collecting, half-role-playing, half-battling. And my parents, rightfully so, were a little cautious of that stuff. A lot of the Magic and Yu-Gi-Oh stuff having to do with demons and ancient gods and... You know, all this kind of wild, this wild stuff. But that extended to Pokemon, which made me very sad because I love my Pokemon. <laughs> and, you know, I understood about Yu-Gi-Oh. Yu-Gi-Oh actually, it, it drove me to steal a pack of Yu-Gi-Oh cards from a gas station. So oh, that was really demonic. But, yeah, Pokemon was a sad casualty. It was the baby with the proverbial bathwater. <laughs> the main reason that I was forced to not give up my Pokemon cards, but relinquish them until some more research had been done, was a holographic Haunter card that I had. Mm. And it said something really spooky. It was like it wanders around graveyards and eats the dreams of children or something like that. Children was, who are sleeping in graveyards, of course. Yeah, exactly. There was a slash between those two. <laughs> And I was kind of, I was kind of miffed, I was kind of annoyed. I had won those fair and square at school on the playground, and parents took away the cards for a little bit. They gave them back eventually. Thanks, Mom and Dad. <laughs> but one night, I'm laying in bed, and... Uh, a haunter came and ate your dreams. Well, it, a haunter came and ate my butt, if you'll believe it. <laughs> that's, I, I think that's even less plausible. I'm laying in bed, and my room was kind of spooky in North Carolina. I was the only one who lived upstairs for a while. I lived down the hall from a kitchen that the the family before me used to butcher pigs in. Whoa. And it was down a long, dark hallway and then just opened up into a yawning black kitchen that I couldn't see anything. Gaping maw. Yeah, gaping maw. 
that had a closet in there. And closets have always scared me. So like the thought that there was a closet somewhere scared me as a kid, I think. Yeah. No, I get that. And I'm laying in bed. I used to have this ritual of going under my covers and having wrestling matches with my beanie babies. So I was doing that. And I'm drifting off to sleep. And I feel an uncomfortable kind of like something scraping me on the butt. And I roll over and I kind of fumble under there. Don't find anything for a second. And then my hand rests on a little piece of laminated paper. And I pull it out. And lo and behold, it's the Haunter card. Get out of here. In my bed. I hadn't even tried to get it back from the rents. So they hid it in your bed to scare you? No, I don't think they hid it in my bed to scare me. I think that... You think that it, it gained sentience and wanted to bite your butt? Well, I think Occam's razor can split between those two. <laughs> I think that just when I relinquished my cards, I had forgotten that one, the one that kind of caused the trouble in the first place, and it, it got mixed into my made bed and came back to bite me. Sure. Occam's razor is actually one of Scyther's best moves. <laughs> Professor Scyther. <laughs> Okay, so I think I get a prize for guessing all the Squirtle Pokemon. I, I do. I, you do get a surprise. You do get a prize. You know, if I may continue on wordplay using Squirtle's name, the French, the French name for Squirtle is a portmanteau of, well, I don't know how to pronounce this in French, but it is the French word for shell, and combined with the French word for something cute. Hmm. So, cute shell. Yeah. But it's a portmanteau of those two words, in much the same way that Squirtle is a portmanteau of Squirt and Turtle. Mm, and Squirrel and Turtle. And Squirrel and Turtle. And Squirt and Squirrel. Yeah. Squirt and Squirrel. So that's... Yo, squirt and Squirrel. So squir Squirtle is a... Uh, squirtle is a wordplay fiend. <laughs> the Russian word for Squirtle is Squirtle. <laughs> That's S K V I R T L. Squirtle. Squirtle. And it, what does it mean? Uh, it's just a a borrowed word. It is a borrowed word. Yes. Squirtle. <laughs> Squirtle. <laughs> I will battle your Pikachu with my Squirtle. It's a bad idea. Pikachu's electric type, so. Sounds like a, a ration of water for a, <laughs> a poor Russian forest family. Uh, <laughs> in further fictional, further fictional rodentry, there's a Wikipedia page list of fictional rodents in literature, and I want you to tell me the top three authors that appear uh, on that list. This is the authors with the most fictional rodents on this list. Oh boy! Okay. Here we go. Brian Jocks. Number one. Also, according to Wikipedia, it's pronounced Brian Jakes. Brian Jakes. Okay. Well, I was Brian joking when I said that. <laughs> so. I always pronounce it Brian Jacques. <laughs> Brian, hmm. Brian Jacques, by the way, of Redwall fame, of course. For those of you who are unfamiliar, you're an idiot and you're not, you haven't read any of the greatest book series of all time. Yeah, it's the 20... 20th century canon. It's the new canon. Yeah. Yes. Brian, Brian Jacques brought us such great hits as Redwall, Mossflower, Salamandastron, 
The Pearls of Lutra. The Long Patrol. Uh, Mariel of Redwall. Uh, the the Bellmaker, I think, was one. Martin the Warrior. Marl Fox, I believe, was one. Oh, shoot. We're going tit for tat. and uh... Outcast of Redwall. Boom. It's the first one I read. Matthias. Oh, shoot. Uh, Outcast of Redwall is the first one you read? That's like starting with Empire Strikes Back. Listen, I I was not aware that it was a series, and I just (laughs) I saw the cover and was intrigued. It's great. It's you don't have to read it in order. Very Um, much not. Yeah. That's how I knew the Pine Martins and Squirrels were enemies, actually. So (laughs) thank Brian Jakes. Okay, so Also, can we pause? So when I saw that Brian Jacquees was the number one author of fictional rodents, I went to his Wikipedia page, and I saw that every year – so starting in 1991 until 2005, he wrote a book every year. Holy cannoli. And they were all good. I mean they kind of traded in the same subject material, but they were all good. They were very good. They were very much the same (laughs) completely. (laughs) <laughs> they were, you found a good recipe when you find a good recipe you don't you don't change it up it's true it's always like there are always three bands some are protecting the abbey or the castle or the building some are kind of going on a quest within the castle where they're trying to solve riddles laid down by former inhabitants right. and a last group is out kind of making a wide patrol Outside of the castle, maybe on another quest. Did we already say the long patrol, by the way? Because that's another one. Okay. You did say the long patrol, and I loved it. I loved it. <laughs> yes, there was yeah, there was the horde of villainous rats or stoats. Oh, stoats! Man, yeah, foxes, obviously. There is a sort of biological determinism to the villainy in Redwall. Which is a little bit problematic. Hmm, that's true. That's true. Although Outcast of Redwall is about, isn't that about a, a ferret or something? Yeah, but I think he ends up being a bad guy, doesn't he? Or because he he like oh, maybe he becomes a good guy in the end. He does some bad things, but maybe yeah. he becomes a good guy in the end. You know what I would have liked to have seen? What's that? It is a ferret who starts out a good character, but because of internalized bias, gets cast out of Redwall. For no reason, and then becomes a bad character. Yeah. Hello. That would that would teach him a lesson. Hello. No more. Uh, that would solve that racial evil thing real quick, and it would flip the script on who who are the good guys and who are the bad guys. Totally. You and I need to take up the Brian Jacquees mantle. Jacquees. Uh, okay. What other authors talk a lot about? rodents uh was the uh, nim was that a was that a author oh miss frisbee and the rats of nim is that a book uh it is i mean it's yeah it's a series of books uh, i don't know who wrote it though i don't either but i'm going to look it up how about c.s lewis no i can't believe c.s lewis so, uh so the author of mrs frisbee and the rats of nim is robert c o'brien and there are a few books in that series Looks like C.S. Lewis appears three times. So, oh, he's actually tied with the third place person. So I'll, I'll give you C.S. Lewis. Okay, great. So this is more book. This is 
is this ranked by is the metric books with rod- featuring rodents or times rodents have been featured? This is this is rodent characters. Although oh, I just checked it. So so C.S. Lewis appears twice. And Lewis Carroll appears once. So C.S. Lewis only appears twice, so sorry, I can't give that one to you. However, one of the characters that they give to C.S. Lewis is Mr. and Mrs. Beaver. So if you count those as separate characters... Oh, yeah, I totally do. Okay. But I won't, I won't scrabble over that one. Okay. Rat or rodent characters. Yes. Hmm. It might help you to know that... You're little. No, although, good guess. I mean, Stuart Little, you may recall, was a it was a lone mouse among a family of humans. That's true. That's true. But E.B. White would not be a bad guess. It will it will help you to know that rabbits are a rodent, and if if you oh Richard Adams, no, although not a terrible guess. It will help you to know that rabbits of of any name would be considered a rodent. But this this particularly famous named rabbit. Hmm. Who I guess I guess his last name is Rabbit. Uh, Peter Rabbit. Peter Rabbit. Yes, Beatrix Potter wrote mm. a a great deal of rodent-based material, uh, including squirrels named Squirrel Nutkin and Timmy Tiptoes. Oh, I remember Squirrel Nutkin. Love that name. Yeah. How is wait Richard Adams? Watershed Down has like twelve named rabbits. Yeah. Well, apparently it's not on the wikipedia list of yeah that's that is a little weird list yeah. of fictional rodents in literature watership down is awesome we may this may be but the first time i ever edit wikipedia i might i might put in some some watership down rabbits into this article if a rabbit is considered a rodent it is a travesty that that article which i'm sure so many people have read and is probably trending after this podcast comes out <laughs> It needs to be rectified. Yeah. Because there are rodents. They're rodents. Or, sorry, because uh, there are a lot of them. I don't know if they're rodents. That's what's in question for me. No, rabbits are rodents, aren't they? I don't know, dude. Are rabbits rodents? Incidentally, rabbits differ from rodents. Oh, okay. Oh. Well, there you go. They're part of the family Leporidae. Oh, interesting. So Beatrix Potter, Peter Rabbit doesn't even appear on this list. It's mm-hmm. all of the other rodents that Beatrix Potter wrote about. It's all Squirrel Nightkin. And Mrs. Tittlemouse, made famous in The Tale of Mrs. Tittlemouse. Interesting. Okay, so uh, this is not a travesty to the world of knowledge. I will not be editing this Wikipedia article. Incidentally, the rodentia does not include rabbits. Rabbits differ from rodents in having an extra pair of incisors and in other skeletal features. Interesting. 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 Rabbits, hares, and a few other species make up Lagomorpha. Shrews, moles, and hedgehogs are also not rodents. They are classified in the mammal order Eulipotifla. Um, all right. Send me on my way. I'm ready. The, the, final, the final one in the top three is Eve Titus of Basil of Baker Street fame. Oh. Adapted into Disney's film The Great Mouse Detective. One of the all-time classics, and I'm going to take... A time here to recognize my great girlfriend Katie Harrington, who I never talk about on the show. And is it about to get mushy up in here, Austin? Mushy. The one time I'm going to mention her is to say I can't believe you haven't seen The Great Mouse Detective. It's one of the greats. 
It's one of the greats. Tony, agree with me. It is. It's one of the greats. I would never disagree with you. Oh, you got Vincent Price as Radigan? Come on. I, I agree with you, Austin, and I'm the one who has a microphone here. You have a pretty body kind of saloon scene, which is out of character for Disney animated films. Although maybe not so much if you reference one of our earlier podcasts. Yeah. Which one was that? I like having continuity. <laughs> that was the I believe that was the kids episode. Mm. For the, the for the children episode, if I recall correctly. Is that right? Yeah. If you want to go back to this very body discussion, go to our podcast themed for kids. <laughs> All right, hit me up with that next category. The final word on on fictional squirrels I want to give you is is the story of Scrat from Ice Age. Oh boy! Remember remember Scrat from Ice Age? Yeah, is that little guy just trying to get a nut? Just trying to get his nut. Turns out there is a uh, a legal skirmish with regard to Scrat because a designer by the name of Ivy Supersonic, born Ivy Silverstein, claims to have originated the character Scrat and claims to have shown it to 20th Century Fox three years before Ice Age even went into development. Oh my goodness. He's got to know that uh, on the scale of Ice Age, though, three years is just a... That's true. So Ivy's Supersonic's job description on Wikipedia is as follows. Ivy Supersonic is a New York City fashion designer, self-promoter, event planner, and animated character designer. Sort of a... Putting self-promoter above animated character designer doesn't, doesn't establish much... much yeah, it doesn't bode well for her, her legal claim on the character of Scrat. She does look like someone who would have come up with a character named Scrat, though. <laughs> Apparently, she was offered $300,000 by 20th Century Fox Studios and turned it down and then took the case to court, lost in court, and then lost her appeal. So, Mm. I don't feel that bad for for Ivy Supersonic. Yeah, you got to get while the getting's good there. Also, I'm realizing that Scrat is spelled S-Q-R-A-T. Well, that's part of the controversy, is Scrat in... Ice Age is spelled S-C-R-A-T, but Scrat, as designed by Ivy Supersonic, is S-Q-R-A-T. Mm. I would have paid a million dollars to sit on that that court case. The case of, of Ivy Supersonic against DreamWorks Pictures? <laughs> uh, so that's the story of Scrat. Uh, and that's that's the story of, of squirrels, of fictional squirrels. Austin, our final category is a category that is important to culture, but we have I don't think we've ever really talked about it on this show, and that's food. Hmm. I think we've probably talked about food. I mean, we've talked about food, but we I don't think we've had a single, like, full category developed to it. And food is an important part of culture. It is. I'm hungry. I've been eating these Oreos. <laughs> Yes, those are those are three true facts that are not necessarily related to each other, but food is important to culture. You are hungry, and you've been eating Oreos. Three important facts, not necessarily related, but so be it. Yours actually sounded a little bit more like an opinion. <laughs> I, I can back mine up with photo evidence. 
Although squirrel meat is low in fat content, unlike most game meat, it has been found by the American Heart Association to be high in cholesterol. Oh, boy. Yeah. I did, uh, I did a little searching, and I, I went to nutritiondata.self.com and got some nutrition data for squirrels. And a typical 313-gram piece of, of squirrel, you're going to find 14.7 grams of fat and 96.3 grams of protein. So that's a pretty lean protein. Yeah. But you are also going to find 379 milligrams of cholesterol, which is 126% of your daily recommended amount of cholesterol. So, now, yeah. Wow, that is uh, that's fascinating. So, but squirrels, I'm guessing, were a pretty viable part of the American diet for a while. Yeah, I mean, in certain parts of America, you're also going to find 660 milligrams of phosphorus, which is 66% of your recommended daily amount of phosphorus. You're going to find 47.3 micrograms of selenium, mm. which is 68% of your recommended daily amount of selenium. Any deonium in there? <laughs> no deonium. Not a significant source of fluoride. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> so if you're trying to avoid mind control by the government, squirrel is a viable source of food. 340% of your daily recommended amount of vitamin B12. An abundant source of vitamin B12. Well, that's good. So, so, so once like half size portion of squirrel meat, maybe a squirrel jerky, mm. could kind of uh, it could help you stave off scurvy. I think isn't scurvy staved off by vitamin C? I think it's C and B. I think it's it's citrus and fresh meat both help stave off scurvy. But I, I could be wrong. You know what? We have the technology in front of us. Let me let me let me search scurvy. Scurvy happens when there is a lack of vitamin C, is, is what medicalnewstoday.com says. Well, get this. Division vitamin Get this, Tony. Okay. This is an abstract of a paper that my friend Benham Khan and his friend Isidore Brodsky, MD, wrote. <laughs> They're not my friends. And the title is... And it's kind of a fun play on words of this of this research, so I think you're going to enjoy it. It's vitamin B12, ascorbic acid, and iron metabolism in scurvy. Oh. It's sort of a fun, kind of like the squirrel thing earlier. <laughs> uh, a patient with scurvy was studied with particular reference to vitamin G, vitamin B12, folic acid, and iron metabolism. I'm going to skip ahead a little bit. <laughs> Could you? Yeah. Massive doses of vitamin C produced prompt clinical and hematologic improvement. Okay. But the serum vitamin C activity did not return to normal until vitamin B12 stores were replenished. Okay. This case documents the interdependence of the serum vitamin C level and the vitamin B12 stores. Okay. Total repletion of B12 is necessary for maintenance of a normal serum ascorbic acid level. Interesting. Okay. Well, then you can consider squirrels part of a healthy diet for staving off scurvy because it has, as I mentioned, 340% of your daily recommended amount of vitamin D, B12, but it has 0% of your daily recommended amount of vitamin C. Well, there you go. Just uh, make my grandma's famous squirrel and orange salad. <laughs> and you're, uh, you're, back to, you're back in business. You'll never sailors. be scurvy. Come on, sailors. You'll never, ever get scurvy. 
That being said, squirrels are not always a good source uh, of nutrition. In 2007, the northern New Jersey community of Ringwood, the New Jersey Department of Health and Senior Services issued a warning to anyone who eats squirrel, especially children and pregnant women, to limit their consumption after a lead-contaminated squirrel was found near the Ringwood Mines landfill. So. A few thoughts. (laughs) The Ringwood Mine Landfill. Yeah. Those are three words that I don't like hearing together. It's kind of a lead, especially lead poisoning in the Ringwood Mine Landfill. Yeah. So don't, I think the takeaway is, don't eat a squirrel that you found near a landfill. Yeah, for sure. In a related note, doctors in Kentucky warned of the possible hazards from eating squirrel brains. In western parts of the states, doctors found a greatly elevated human incidence of Creutzfeldt-Jakob disease, a rarely seen but serious prion-based disorder that causes dementia and eventual death. Interesting. And it turns out, according to the New York Times, that eating squirrel brains is a, like, serious thing. I would like to read an excerpt of an article from the New York Times. I'm ready. Families that eat brains, this is squirrel brains, families that eat brains follow only certain rituals. Someone comes by the house with just the head of a squirrel, Dr. Weissman said, and gives it to the matriarch of the family. She shaves the fur off the top of the head and fries the head whole. The skull is cracked open at the dinner table and the brains are sucked out. It's a gift-giving ritual. The second most popular way to prepare squirrel brains is to scramble them in white gravy or to scramble them with eggs. In each case, the walnut-sized skull is cracked open and the brains are scooped out for cooking. Uh, all jokes aside, that sounds really good right now. <laughs> I, I would eat I would eat squirrel brains prepared in either either way. Except I don't want you to get dementia and eventually die. Yeah, or ringwood. <laughs> I've actually eaten squirrel before. That was going to be my next question. You you lived in the American South for a while. I did. I uh, and it it wasn't like oh I've eaten squirrel at like a new gastro pub in Charleston. I ate squirrel in uh, there was a guy who lived down the street from me. I don't remember his name. He lived next to the straps. If you're out there, hello. Yeah, there was this guy who had a lot of land, and he let us kind of run around and play capture the flag on it. And every Friday, he'd sit out on his back porch with a BB gun, kill some squirrels, inhumanely, as we know <laughs> now, and make himself some squirrel soup. And one time, my uh, friends and I went over, and he let us have a few bites. Pretty good. Well, I'm glad to hear it. And and you you haven't noticed any side effects from lead contamination or any symptoms of Creutzfeldt-Jakob disease? Not yet, but my uh, my vitamin C absorption is through the roof. Off the, off the chain. Off the charts. And my heart, uh, my doctor says I have the heart of a 68-year-old. <laughs> you'll, you'll walk through a grocery store and oranges will just fly off the shelf and latch onto your body because of how strong your absorption is. Mm-hmm. Give me that juice. <laughs> there is a annual squirrel cook-off in Benton County, Arkansas. It occurred on September 8. Maybe we can make next year's. Maybe we can make the 2019 competition. Sure. There is a $1,000 prize for first place. Second place is $750. Third place is $500. The team that won this year made a Mac and Squirrel Burger. I don't really know what that means. It just it looks like a, it looks like a squirrel burger. Uh, you said mac and squirrel. Yeah, I don't know what that means. Like mac and cheese. It's that's what it seems like. But I I'm looking at the picture right now and it just it looks just like a hamburger. 
I don't see any. I don't see the Mac portion of it. Is it a is it a ton of tiny hamburgers in a bowl covered in cheese? <laughs> it's it's not that. I would that I think would have been immediately recognizable. Maybe there's cheese. Maybe it's stuffed with cheese. Perhaps that would be that would not be visible to the naked eye. True, unless you've eaten a lot of squirrel. <laughs> would you like me to read the the rules of this competition to you, Austin? Please do. I'm thinking. I'm sort of looking forward here and thinking. We could do this next year because it's a 10-hour drive. takes place in the – it's the Benton County Quail Barn. I Google maps it 10 hours from where I live. So easy. So 10 and a half hours from where you live. Okay. But not if I slept over. But not if you slept over. That's true. We could ha- – we could. you'd probably want to sleep over so we could strategize the night before. And we've done nine-hour trips together. We have. It would not be the first time that we've taken a long road trip together. Teams can be two people or three-person team. So we're t- we form you and I form two people together, so we 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 could bring in a ringer if we need one to kill the squirrels. <laughs> to kill the squirrel, yeah, we could have our our squirrel chaser be the third member of the team. Contestants have two and a half hours to make a main dish and a side dish. The only rules are that all items must be cooked on site. The dish must have eighty percent of the meat be squirrel meat and have a rocking side dish, which is twenty five percent of your total score. Dang. And you know, it's good to see side dishes given the credit that they, I would give them more than 25% importance in the total meal, but who am I? Yeah, I think they're really trying to emphasize the squirrel component, component so they, you know, they downweight the side dish. Now, do you have to clean the squirrel yourself, or do you get, like, fillets, or? Uh, I believe you can prepare the, the squirrel meat however you'd like. But do I have to skin and clean a squirrel, is what I'm saying. Oh, you know what, let me, let me dig into the rules here. Looks like they provide the squirrel meat. So I would guess that it is at least partially, you know, you you, you are not responsible for anything that a hunter would be responsible for. Mm-hmm. Now, I think we could stand a real chance of this, um, but we would be flying blind, seeing as I don't think we could get squirrel meat around here to practice. <laughs> well, would you like me to list off some of the examples of dishes that were at this year's competition? Um... Kind of, but also I'm I'm just very hungry. So, well, oh yeah, let's hear him. Let's hear him. I'll put him. I'll draw a bath and light some candles. <laughs> Tell me which of these dishes makes your mouth water the most: Asian squirrel dish, squirrel tacos, or a bloody squirrel, which is a rendition of a Bloody Mary drink. Asian squirrel dish. Yeah, that's a little ambiguous because does it mean the squirrels came from Asia, or is it an Asian-themed dish with squirrels? Interesting. Are you what's I want to know what's percolating in your head right now. Tell me what kind of squirrel dish you have in your mind. Oh boy, I'm thinking like a uh thinking about stew still. Okay. I'm thinking about maybe a roux like a gumbo, like Ooh. a squirrel squirrel gumbo. Okay. Over rice and red beans, something kind of spicy but something kind of uh savory, nice thick thick sauce. Hell yeah! Yeah, I, I think yeah. I, I that's I think that spells. I bet we could get at least second place with that. Oh yeah, I think so too. Uh, what would be if we wanted to do something a little more American new? What would you suggest? What kind of fusions are you are you making in your mind? Well, I mean the the big thing in in 
the sort of new American thing with meat is is sort of alternative meats, like meats from from weird parts of the body or or you know weird you know livers and and kidneys and whatnot. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, like sweetbreads, head cheeses, and whatnot. Oh, Offal is what I'm saying. Yes. <laughs> so I think I think we just got to get some weird parts of the squirrel involved in this process. Agreed. There's not much there. I mean, it's like brain normal part but like that's it <laughs> so time squirrels don't have a lot of organs there's just not enough room in their body is there a sushi restaurant called cold fusion whoa right that's good that's very good restaurant tours come at me i got plenty of ideas squirrel su- <laughs> squirrel that's it squirrel sushi the the winning team this year was jerry miller and the Oki Squirrel Busters. <laughs> they drove over 200 miles to compete. I think we'd be driving more than 200 miles, so... Yeah, for sure. We'd certainly be more impressive than them. All right, I'm, I'm going to start planning my squirrel gumbo. Okay. I'll start... I'll come up with a good side dish. Yeah. Some kind of... Some fancy cornbread, maybe. Is cornbread... Do people eat cornbread with gumbo? Is that a thing? Yeah. And if they don't, who cares? Let's start it. We'll make it a thing. Mmm, yummy. Big old stack of flapjacks. That would be good. How about corn cakes? Ooh. With, uh, corn cakes with slow uh, roasted pieces of squirrel and a thick gravy. I'm thinking about thick gravy right now. I don't know what it is. You got, you got thick gravy on the mind. I know. The weather's starting to change. I'm, I'm thinking about things that take hours in the oven. Mm. Well, it's got to take less than two and a half hours. Mm, that's true. The Dutch oven might be out of the question. A braise yeah. might be out of the question. Yeah, no braises. Austin, that's uh, that's squirrels. Wow. And believe it or not, when you said that's squirrels, the timing of the episode was one, two, three, four, five. No, it was not, you son of a bitch. Don't you lie to me. To the second. Don't, to the you, second. don't, you, don't you lie to me. I'm not lying to you, buddy. Sadly, that will not be the case for the listeners at home because you and I talked before we started actually recording this episode. And then we talked so much. So that's just going to be lightning in a bottle for you mm. and me. But it's there. But it's I there. I want to share that with you. Well, that was that was a very very exciting end to this episode. Uh, you know, I guess we're not sorry for how long this took, but we are excited to be back. How's that sound? Yeah, I think that sounds nice. And for the record, I forgive you. <laughs> Austin, you don't you you don't even need to you don't even need to ask for forgiveness. Jesus said to forgive people seven times, seventy times. So you've got four hundred and eighty nine more just waiting. Waiting for you. Mm. Ugh. Well, it's been a time since we've done been a been a been a bit since we've done our thank yous, but we we always like to thank Anna for designing our logo. We'd like to thank Jude, Jude Schuma. I'm I'm excited to listen. I haven't listened to that that tune in a bit. I'm excited to hear that tune again. Yeah, that jangle because I only get clips of it. And uh, you know, if you have access, send me the send me the MP3. Yeah, I'll I, I've got it somewhere. I mean, I've certainly got the first 15 seconds and the last 15 seconds, but I, I think I can find the, the in between. The in between. I'll blast you that MP3. Blast it over. To, to Tim, I finally got Tim and Summer and Samantha their pins. Awesome. So, 
That is that's been a that's been a uh, sort of a the B story of this podcast. Well, I've been resolved, and as and as penance for uh, for taking so long, I'm going to give Tim's new film company a shout out. It's oh, called One right. Country Films, I think. Sorry, Tim, <laughs> it's not. One County Film Company. One County Film Company. All right. Yeah. That's a little shout out. And Florida people, check out the New City Players, Tim's uh, theater company. Hell yeah. Uh, Tim paid for this show. <laughs> this is this show brought to you by Tim. All right. Well, goodbye. <laughs>